Hi, and welcome to Comchurch Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. Well, we started last week looking at the Beatitudes uh, of Jesus. These are our sayings that, that have kingdom principles for our lives. They are our steps that Jesus gave for us to have a, a happy or a, a blessed life. But they are not quick fix options. The world teaches us that money, easy gratification, winning, fame, they're the things that are going to make us happy. If we get stuff, if we avoid problems, or just being known by someone, that's where we'll find our happiness. In fact, tomorrow is Blue Monday. It's meant to be the saddest day of the year, according to the world, of course. But the kind of happiness and blessing that Jesus is talking about is the long-lasting kind. Following these principles will lead us to maturity in Christ, to discover a happiness or a joy that is not dependent on a situation or on a person. We found out last week that blessings can be found in some of the hardest times of our lives, and sometimes even because of them. Jesus' words appear opposite to society's teachings, yet they show us that our blessings are not linked with what we do, or even our situation, but it's our attitude in the midst of our situation. We need to acknowledge, as Rob told us last week, that we're desperate for his presence. We are poor in spirit and can never measure up to his perfection, but his grace makes us worthy. We need to look at the state of our hearts and accept our great need for him, mourning to gain his comfort. And we need to understand that he blesses the meek, those who are not proud but are humble before God and before others. In these godly, mature attitudes, we can receive his blessing. This morning, Pastor Sarah will be speaking about two more kingdom principles. Let Jesus' words, I love that it's read in our Bibles, let Jesus' words sink deep into your spirit. Allow the confusion and the distraction of the worldly path to happiness just to fade away and focus on the teaching that makes this upside-down world turn back the right way. Amen. Amen. So I'm just going to read um, all of the Beatitudes. So this is taken... This is taken from Matthew. It's fine, I don't need it now. Uh, Matthew 5, and this is just at the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So I'm just going to read them all to you. So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So yeah, Sarah just said we looked last week at the first three of the Beatitudes and you can go back and, and listen to that on, our, on the podcast or from the website and, and Rob spoke about those and 
what I really felt as, as I was listening to them is that they all linked in with a the theme of surrender. There was all very much a, a feeling of um, to be blessed, to be happy, actually the meek, the poor in spirit, the those that mourn. There was a, a real case of surrendering to God. And, and then in the evening, we joined together and we were going to look and sort of continue the Bible story because there was a, a Bible study because there was so much to say about each individual one. But actually, we ended up having a really remarkable evening of just people sharing their testimonies of knowing what it is to truly be blessed, you know, especially in a time of mourning. And as we said, it sounds like the wrong way around, doesn't it? It sounds like, well, how could anyone ever find happiness? How could anyone in the midst of deep grief or deep mourning ever say that they are blessed? But we heard not one, not two, but three or four, five different testimonies of people that said, do you know what? They had an encounter. And I'm sure there's even more people in here that have had that experience that in that deep sense of mourning, in that deep grief, there was a real sense of the presence, the tangible presence of God and you know and in that you might never feel it again and you might never have felt it before but that's why truly and, it, and it's not just words on a page but this was real living life so it was absolutely amazing to just have that time and we ministered to people that evening and it was just so powerful to hear of people's testimonies and that is truly why in the midst of turmoil and heartbreak and loss we can be called blessed. So now this week we move on to not even the next two, we muddled them up a bit. So I'm doing blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled and blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, I'm a bit of a doing person. So actually the next one, and when you just quickly read them out, um, I think, yeah, I quite like this one because nobody really wants to be meek, do they? No one wants to be poor in spirit and no one really wants to mourn. You don't choose those things. You don't want to be those things. And then, and it's just sort of circumstance or either or something happens to you or it's put upon you. And then, but those that thirst and hunger for righteousness, I think, yes, that's a doing one. I can do that. It sounds very very exciting and gung-ho and let's go. Let's go and start being hungry and thirsty for God. Let's be filled. Amen. But, okay, has anyone ever actually been really hungry? I don't mean a bit peckish, but I mean actually really, really hungry. Now, in my natural life, hunger and thirst are kind of just a massive inconvenience to me. Now, I know I'm sure there's loads of you that are real foodies and you love to make your nice little avocado whatevers and put them on Instagram and they all look really nice and you savour every bite and you go to the next restaurant and you just think, oh, you've got to try there. And I'm like, bleh. I just couldn't care less. I just couldn't. Maybe it's because I can't eat many things and I kind of live on rice and sawdust. But food just isn't interesting. I just don't find it exciting at all. And I've probably lost everybody now. And they're all like, Sarah, you're nuts. It's the best thing on earth. But to me, it's just not that interesting. So I don't really get to the point where I'm like, oh, I really fancy X, Y, and Z. I kind of just eat to function. And so in that, the signs of hunger and thirst are actually really important because if we didn't have them, we'd die, wouldn't we? If we didn't, so I don't really get to that point where, oh, I really fancy making X, Y, and Z. It'll be, oh, I can't see straight. I better eat something or I feel a bit woozy. I better have I had anything to drink today. And, and it's just thinking, all right, I must drink something. And so actually those 
little pangs save my life because it reminds me to eat, reminds me to do something. I know that might be foreign, but anyway. But um, yeah, so and in, the, in the natural, that's, that saves our life. It drives us to consume some full fuel to save our life. That's as basic as where I put food. It's fuel to sustain life. Um, but I also have experience, and I do vaguely remember that Christmas to New Year, no one really knows what day of the week it is, period, where you've like eaten way too much on Christmas Day, and then you've eaten way too much on Boxing Day, and then you've got quality street leftover, and the cheeses, and some mince pies, and you wash it all down with the slur of Jesus juice, because that's what we do. And um, you kind of never really feel hungry for a few days, because you're just constantly picking and snacking, yeah, and I'm not the only one that's done that yeah yeah okay good and um you kind of just yeah you you haven't really eaten a proper meal and you don't know how many days and the thing is you know in and of themselves the foods they're not probably not real food and they're not bad foods but if you live like that every single day you'd either eventually be very big or you'd also your body would soon tell you about it wouldn't it you can't live on quality street and schlur for very long without starting to feel a bit poorly and a bit peaky and uh, you'd probably be biting everyone's head off as well so you can only do that for so long but also have you heard you know there's we use the expression of I'm hungry for something not physical food but like they're power hungry or hungry for more hungry for something different and I was thinking you know how often do we quality street stuff those hungers do you know we we are so busy doing or we're so busy with the everyday of life or we're so busy with just you know tv or social you know nothing that's bad in and of itself but that's what we do and we stuff we never get bored you know I think there was a series there was a um someone was talking about how children teenagers especially just don't ever get bored boredom is just something that's not really on their radar because there's always something to do there's always a phone to pick up and always something to watch and well I say even us adults we don't get that time to truly be bored And I wonder, you know, I think it was Paul McCartney was saying that as a kid, the reason he picked up a guitar was because he was bored, because he didn't have anything else to do. So he picked up a guitar and started playing. And I do think, how many genius musicians are we now missing because they're on a phone or they're doing... And like, I'm not an advocate of, like, don't use your phones. And that's not what I'm saying at all. But it's just, you know, are we missing some of the creative stuff? And can we be hungry for other things because we're not distracted all the time and we're not just popping out the quality street so we actually get hungry for something else we get hungry for something something more in life well Jesus in this beatitude he leads us here to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness and as I said when I first approached this beatitude I liked it that I thought yeah I can do something but really quickly as I started just even thinking about it and studying it, I realised that actually this beatitude sits right alongside the first three. It's exactly the same because to get to righteousness, you have to surrender. There is no way you can do it in and of yourself. So that again, it's speaking of that surrender, that waiting, that claiming nothing as our own and total reliance on God. So the definition of righteousness is acting in accord with divine or moral law, free from guilt or sin. So great, I know I want to be righteous. I want to act in accord. That's my choice. I've given my life to Jesus. I want to act 
accord to his word. I want to act accord to um, his, his law. I want to be free from guilt or sin. And I want to do that. So with that desire, you know, maybe I could last for a couple of weeks doing righteous things, maybe a couple of hours, but maybe not, even if I was asleep. Do you know, you start thinking about it and you think, is every thought really righteous? Is everything that just whizzed through my mind really righteous? And you soon realise you're probably not going to last a couple of seconds. So great. Has Jesus just set us up for the impossible? Is that absolutely crazy? Because, you know, we read in Isaiah 64, 6, that all of our righteous acts are like completely filthy rags. And later on in this sermon, he raises the bar even higher. So Jesus says, it's not even good enough now not to murder someone. So that's pretty obvious. I think most of us could probably go a day without murdering somebody. But the fact is, he now says, if you even hate your brother or you're angry with your brother, then it's like, it's the same punishment. And you're like, what? And then it's the same as not committing adultery. And again, you might be able to stop yourself doing that and feel quite clever with yourself. But then Jesus says, he raises the bar, even if you think about somebody lustfully, then it's like, it's the same weight. It carries the same weight. So you're like, Jesus, have you just set us up for the absolutely impossible? So then even the Pharisees who thought of themselves as the keepers of the law, they thought they were pretty good at keeping the law. Under those circumstances, pretty quickly realised that they couldn't stand up under those conditions. They couldn't proclaim to have gained or have been righteous under those conditions. So how can we possibly be righteous? I want to introduce the girls, if you're in the background there, girls, if you want to come out. And um, Emily has just choreographed a dance for us. I'd like you to just take a look at this.
Thank you, girls. Thank you. You know, it just shows in and of ourselves, we can search for righteousness. And as we do, you can see there, you just get dirtier and dirtier and you just, you just wear yourself out. And the end of this beatitude says, those who that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. But when we try and do it in our own strength, all we will be is disappointed. All we will be is exasperated. As you can see there, you're just worn out. You're just fighting. But do you know what? So is that it? Did Jesus just give us something that was impossible? Did he set a standard so high that he was never, it, we were never, ever going to be satisfied? We were never going to be filled? But the good news, and you just read on in the Scriptures, and soon we find out that actually... Jesus was offering himself. Jesus was offering what he had to give. And we're just going to quickly skip through the scriptures. He tells the Samaritan woman in John 4.14, But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And in John 6.35, he says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. On that day, he lost a load of his disciples because they were like, what is this man talking about? And they were like, this is too hard. This is too much. Because we have the revelation of the communion table. We already know what he was talking about. We already know that he was talking about his body and the blood that would be shed on the cross. But at the time, he started talking about eat my body, drink my blood. And they're like, what is this nut job talking about? And he lost a load of disciples on that day. But we see he was building that picture, that revelation. So right at the beginning, he's causing a hunger. He's causing us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. But on that journey, we soon realise whether you know Jesus today here or whether you've walked with him for 20 years, every single day that need and that thirst for righteousness has to be filled, has to come from him. And then he, there, it's that promising is that when we find in him, when we search for him, when we search for righteousness, we will be satisfied. We will be filled. Mark 14, 22 then talks about while they were eating, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they drank, they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. So once again, we see that hunger cannot and thirst cannot be fulfilled by our acts and they can only be filled through Jesus, through his sacrifice. And I love this. So if we're hunger, if we've, we've decided we want to be righteous, if we're hung, hungry and thirsting after that righteousness, this is how we get it. Romans 3.22. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. So when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will be blessed and we will be happy because it leads us straight to Jesus. It leads us straight to him. Only through Jesus can we be made righteous. Only through Jesus can we be filled and satisfied. Again, total reliance, total surrender to God, just like the first three. 
And now we jump a beatitude to blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. For they will see God. You know, isn't that the ultimate goal of most religions? Isn't that what most religions are attaining to? They want to see or hear or know or eventually be one day with their God. That's what every, pretty much every religion has in common. They want to see their God. You know, and this is such a simple way. You know, maybe with with some religions, it might be a case of take a long pilgrimage and you will see your God. It might be you pray in a certain way and do certain rituals this time, this time for the whole of your life and you might see your God. It might be in the very extreme people, the reason why people would strap dynamite to themselves and go and blow themselves and hundreds of innocent people up because they want to see their God. They want to know that they can see their God. You know, but in here we've got one line. Blessed are those that are pure in heart. We're just called to be pure in heart. Again, simple, yes. Doable? I don't know. You see, a pilgrimage, it would be hard to do. There'd be planning. It would take money. It would take a lot of time to work it out but it's doable, even at that really super extreme case, to blow something up. It's hard, it's stupid, it's incredibly selfish, it's deluded, but it is doable. But who could say, absolutely, 100%, I have done a pure in heart. I've got it, I've done it, so I know I'm going to see God. Again, it's so simple, but it almost seems impossible again. So right again, it's that simple answer. It's that, that really reaching on. We heard earlier, didn't we, that we've all fallen short. We've all sinned. Not one of us from the beginning of man is pure in heart. The only person that could walk free of sin was Jesus. Every single person gone before us, even the patriarchs of the Bible, got it wrong. Even Adam and Eve, who walked with the Lord, not, they couldn't say that they were pure in heart. They couldn't do it. Noah, Moses, Abraham, all of them, none of them could have said that they were pure in heart. They all got it wrong. David, especially, a lot of us know the story of David, and he was described as a man after God's own heart, yet he did some doozies, didn't he? He really got it wrong. When he got it wrong, he super got it wrong. And he came back to the Lord, and in Psalm 51:10, he just said, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. It was his desire. He turned his heart to the Lord and asked him to create in him a clean heart. I just want to read from Psalm, if I've still got it. The words are beautiful in the Passion Translation from Psalm 51, verse 7. Purify my conscience, make this leper clean again. Wash me in your love until I am pure in heart. Satisfy me in your sweetness and my song of joy will return. The places within me that you have crushed will rejoice in your healing touch. Hide my sins from your face. Erase all my guilt from your saving grace. Create a new clean heart within me. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires ready to please you. I love that. And so again, you see we're completely reliant on God again. It's the same. You know, it seems that even these first few, they might be at a different starting point, but they all arrive back to Jesus. And I think, you know, Jesus was so clever. He didn't put his sermons together with a, you know, training school, five-point sermon steps. 
He knew, so he was taking this person over here, this person over there, this person over there, this person, all relating to different things. So a different beatitude might jump out at you, but they all lead to the same place. Complete surrender, complete reliance, totally needing God, totally needing Jesus, totally needing a saviour. And he's our solution. So Jesus is our example and he's our solution. Hebrews 4.14, therefore... Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need." You know, how many, especially, how many of us, especially if we've been on this road a long time, might forget our need for a saviour? But as I said right at the beginning, who could say that even in the last half an hour we've had completely pure thoughts or a completely pure heart and we've been in a worship service? But the fact is, it's, it's not that doable, is it? And that's, it's my real heart for this is, it sounds like at first, I'm like, God, I'm just kind of writing a gospel message for the non-Christian. But actually, I thought, no, it's for every single one of us, however long we've been on the road, because we need a saviour every single day, don't we? And, you know, we were, exalted, you know we, were, we were taught as well later in the Bible that we should die to ourselves daily, that every single day, and then in Lamentations, it says, his mercies are new every morning. And that's the thing is actually, I think this is more for the long-term Christian is to, do you know what? Stop stuffing yourself with Quality Street. Stop enjoying the lovely worship. Stop enjoying just the lovely preaching. Stop being entertained. And actually, let's take those words and really see and really get thirsty, really get hungry for what God is saying in our lives. Amen? Because it's really easy to just Christmas, New Year, our Christianity. It's really easy just to take the bits that we like from church, take the bits that we like, just nibble on this. Oh, I'll come that Sunday and not that Sunday. I'll nibble on that and I'll nibble on that and I'll fill the rest of my time with X, Y, and Z. And as I said, they might not be bad things. But how about we hunger and thirst so much that actually we don't want to watch that thing or we don't want to do that thing because actually, again, our heart is, what does Jesus say about whatever? And it's really getting back into that word of God, really just having that, Lord, I just want to spend some time in your presence. I just want to spend some time worshipping you while I'm at home. I don't have to. No one's going to see me. I'm not clocking up my divine hours. But just, Lord, you're so amazing. I want to hear from you. I want to know you more. I want to spend some time in your presence. And that's, that's the hunger. I want to make you hungry. I want to make you thirsty for righteousness. I want us to search for that pure heart again. Because I'm telling you, non-Christian Christian, we have all fallen short. And every single day, we really need a saviour. Amen. I don't know if you remember um, last summer, we had Velveeta and Steve Thompson came along. And um, they shared the testimonies of Velveeta. Again, you can go back and listen to it. I won't go into the masses of details. But she shared her testimony of um, when she was in a coma, she had a vision of heaven or a visitation of heaven. It was absolutely amazing. The whole thing was amazing. But what really um, struck me was one of the parts where she said she saw that 
there were, there were banners of love that connected people. And it was like crystal water. It was like crystal clear water that connected the different people. But then also when the saints were worshipping God, it was like the crystal water flew up from our hearts up to the throne room. And it was just that imagery of, of that pure worship, that crystal waters out of the overflow of the heart. You know, he says here, doesn't he, that there will be living water flowing. Those that drink, they'll have living water flowing. And it was just an imagery of that pure in pure water flowing from our hearts to his throne room. And then she said, but as she looked, she noticed that some of them were a bit cloudy and then some of them were a bit muddy and then some of them were really dirty. And it was not only between the people, but it was also the worship between them and their God. So they were worshipping, they were saints, they were worshipping God, but actually their hearts weren't pure. So what was, not, what was in their hearts that was not pure was actually in the worship that they were giving their father. And that struck me. And I thought, God, you know, sometimes I can be in a right mood with Julian and I'll praise the Lord. <laughs> I can think, <laughs> no, never, never, <laughs> never. Or do you know how easily, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many people have come in here and thought, actually, that person has really ticked me off. Or, you know, this person's really annoying me. And we let bitterness come in, we let resentment come in, we let judgment come in, whatever, insert your word there. But we come and we worship the Lord with all our heart because we need our breakthrough. <laughs> and we come and worship the Lord with all of our heart because yes, he is worthy. But in that, have we got the pure heart? Have we got the clean heart? And actually it's remembering that what we worship, when we're worshipping God, everything in our heart, when we worship him with all of our heart, all of that's going up to him. I don't want to give my Lord muddy worship. I don't want to give my Lord muddy praise. I want it to be from a pure heart. And actually that might mean, Lord, creating me a clean heart. Might need to say it hourly. <laughs> might need to say it every five minutes, you know. But it's that creating me a pure heart, a clean heart. And my motivation for that is... Because God, I want to give you pure worship. I want to give you something that's clean, something that's pure. So we're going to do communion now. And I just thought it'd be a really nice time to move into a time of communion. Because again, this is our reminder. As often as we can do it, this is our reminder that we get to start all over again. We get to, we've, we see the blood, we see the body that he spoke about. And I'm going to read those words again from 1 Corinthians 11 and again we hear them so often that we can just let it wash over us we can just ignore the power of those words but in that light of hunger and thirsting for righteousness and really asking God to create in us a pure heart as I read these words I want you to examine yourself and really just um, take this time so let me read that first Actually, I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation, so it's a bit different. Okay, so everyone should have their little communion cup soon. It 
Okay, so 1 Corinthians 11 from verse 23. I have handed down to you what came to me by direct revelation from the Lord himself. The same night in which he was handed over, he took bread and he gave thanks and then he distributed it to the disciples and he said, take it and eat your fill. It is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. He did the same with a cup of wine and after supper and said, this cup seals the new covenant with my blood. Drink it and whenever you drink this, do it to remember me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the story, proclaiming our Lord's death until he comes. For this reason, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in the wrong spirit will be guilty of dishonouring the body and the blood of the Lord. So let each individual first evaluate his own attitude and only then eat the bread and drink the cup. For continually eating and drinking with a wrong spirit will bring judgment upon yourself by not recognising the body. This insensitivity is why many of you are weak, chronically ill and some even dying. If you do not sit in judgment of others, you will not. You will avoid judgment yourself. But when we are judged, it is the Lord's training so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So just before we take the bread and the wine, and that's what I just want you to remember, let's get thirsty for this. Let this be our food. Let the Lord be our food. And again, I don't just mean literally because you do need to eat. But what I mean is let's not stuff those sad places with food, with sex with pornography, with friendships that are toxic for us. Let's not stuff, I've got one, thank you. Let's not stuff all those places. And as we said last week, let's not numb the hurt. Let's not try and block out the hurt, but let's feel the hunger. Let's feel the thirst. And then ask him that can only satisfy for good and always. Let's let him feel that thirst. Let's let him be that water. Let's let Jesus be that that bread of life. So let's take that bread right now and examine your own heart and say, Jesus, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And we take the bread to remember what he did on the cross for us. And then you take the wine and in the same way, We say, God, we come to you. Jesus, we come to you like the woman did, the Samaritan woman. And we say, give us this living water that will flow up from within us. This living water, Father God, that that will flow out from our hearts when we worship you. When we give you honour, when we give you praise, that that it will be the living water that returns back to your throne, pure, clean, not muddied. Right now, we put right in our hearts anything we have against a brother. And we commit that at the first opportunity, we will go and make that right. Jesus, we forgive those that have hurt us. Jesus, we lay down those hurts. We lay down that pride. We lay down that wrong thinking. We lay down the possibility that we might be wrong in something. We lay it all down at your feet right now in Jesus' name. And we drink this blood as the wine. We drink it right now. We say, thank you for shedding it. Thank you for giving your body up so that we don't have to be judged like the world. That, Father God, you are our covering. You are our righteousness, Father God. You make our filthy rags clean. 
and those that would come after us, the enemies that would come and try and defile us, the enemies that would come and try and tempt us. God, You know every single one of them. And I thank You that, Lord, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by Your Spirit. I thank You that, Lord, You are there ready and waiting to help us. You are there standing there. Your Holy Spirit has given us the grace to empower us to live righteously. And we thank You for that in Jesus' Name. We thank You, Lord. As Josh and the team lead worship now, if you need prayer, if you or I think, are you singing, Come to the Altar? Is that what you're singing? Make this place an altar. If you don't want prayer, it's fine, but you can just have that act of God. I just want to start again. And I don't care if you've been a Christian for 35 years. Come today, come to the altar, start again. Really get hungry and thirsty for the things of God. Really get hungry and thirsty for the pure things of God. And just, we've got time. So just use this place as your altar this morning. Amen. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.